This is Tina Douglas, and you're listening to the Liam Photography Podcast with your host, my husband, Liam Douglas. Enjoy! Christ holding the moon, LA Times makes cuts, why you seem to move slower when shooting at longer focal lengths, and more. Greetings, everybody. You're listening to the Liam Photography Podcast. I'm your host, Liam Douglas, and this is episode 349 for Sunday, June 11th, 2023. And as usual, I'm covering the latest news stories that caught my eye from our friends at Petapixel for this past week. First up, photographer captures Christ, the Redeemer, holding the moon. A photographer captured a stunning image of Christ, the Redeemer, holding the moon after three years of attempting to get the shot. Brazilian photographer Leonardo Sens finally took the photo, on he, which he had been long dreamed of on June 4th, from Acare Beach in Rio de Janeiro, municipality of Nitroli which is around seven miles away from where the 98-foot-high Christ the Redeemer is located. The remarkable photo shows the colossal statue of Jesus Christ at the summit of Mount Cocobado in Rio de Janeiro, Brazil, with the moon in its palms. Sens has been studying the moon's position in the hopes of capturing the rare moment the celestial object aligns with Christ the Redeemer. Sens tells Petapixel that he used the helping hand of mobile apps that indicate the position of the moon above the statue. And in 2021, the photographer purchased a 600mm lens so that the moon and the sun will appear closer in his images. Despite knowing the exact moment the moon would be positioned, I wasn't able to frame the photo in my first attempt as the moon goes down quite fast. And it's complicated to get the frame right, so I wasn't able to get the shot when I first tried in 2021, Sens tells Petapixel. In 2022, it was cloudy and there was haze, so it wasn't possible to take the photo then either. However, Sens made another attempt at his coveted photograph in June this year. On Saturday, he arrived at Akari Beach after checking the moon's position in the apps. But he failed to capture the shot when the moon was blocked out by clouds, but Sens returned to the beach the day after and tried once again to get his long-awaited photograph. Quote, on Sunday, I checked the moon's position on the apps and I arrived at the beach about 20 minutes early to take the shot, the photographer says. And soon after, I ran home to switch my computer to check the photos, and then I really saw that I had done it. Sen's photo has received almost 700,000 likes on Instagram, with social media fans calling the shot perfect. More of Sen's work can be seen on his Instagram. And I think this is a really, really cool shot. I always love it when a photographer uh, does a clever shot like this by positioning themselves in the right location and using the right uh, lens to get the perception so that it looks like two distant objects are actually lining up together. And one, in this case, the statue of Christ the Redeemer, looks like it's holding the moon in its outstretched arms. I think that's really awesome. And kudos to you, sir. LA Times cut 74 newsroom positions, including several photographers. 
The Los Angeles Times has announced severe job cuts, eliminating 74 newsroom positions, including several photographer positions representing 13% of the newsroom staff. L.A. Times photographer Kent Nishimura took to Twitter to vent his frustration at finding out about his redundancy from uh, a news article. Found out or found this out via this article before getting notice from HR while on my honeymoon, he writes. Of the photo department members who received notice today, all are people of color and have cut. The photo department won't have Spanish speakers. Crestfallen staff photographer Danny Maxwell also took to Twitter to say she had been given or she had given her heart and soul to the company. Quote, I've given given nights and weekends away from home for the work. I've given a lot more than any job. So it feels pretty dark, she writes. Quote, the photo department was hit hard. It lost several photographers and editors. I'm one of two Spanish speakers that are being laid off. In a city where the most common language spoken other than English is Spanish, it speaks volumes about how the company will cover its own city. The LA Times recently won two Pulitzer Prizes, one of them for photography. Christina House won the Feature Photography Award for her project looking at the life of a 22-year-old woman living on the street in Los Angeles, a powerful photo series that featured on Petapixel. The newspaper's executive editor, Kevin Morita, announced the layoffs on Wednesday, saying the decision was made more urgent by the economic climate and the unique challenges of our industry. Decisions that result in talented staffers losing their jobs or agonizing Marita rights. We will be saying goodbye to some tremendous colleagues. The LA Times was purchased by Dr. Patrick Soon Shong and his wife Michelle in February of 2018. According to Bloomberg, Soon Shong became a billionaire after selling two drug companies and has an estimated wealth of $9 billion. The paper itself reports that the outlet was performing strongly until COVID-19 when pandemic-related closures obliterated the advertising money the paper was receiving. Since then, it has struggled to recover financially amid an industry-wide slowdown that has also seen a major crisis for media like Vice and BuzzFeed News. And uh, it's definitely sad to see this, and I feel bad for all of those who lost their jobs. As you know, I recently lost my job, my day job in the IT sector when Virgin Orbit closed its doors and then was later sold off for scraps at a bankruptcy auction. Uh, So I definitely understand how these people feel. It is definitely a sad time, and my heart goes out to them. I hope they are able to find new homes in the very near future and continue with their careers. Why you seem to move slower when shooting at longer focal lengths. This old but no less informative video has recently resurfaced and it illustrates an interesting optical illusion that makes speed appear much slower when using a longer focal length. The video spotted by resurfaced on Laughing Squid features... Uh, Kiyoshia Kyoto, a professor of psychology at Rusmiken University in Kyoto, Japan. I might have pronounced that wrong. If I did, I apologize. Professor Kiyoka has a website full of optical illusions. Additional motion-based optical illusions are available on the website, although visitors should be warned that there are extensive flashing scenes. Scientist, author, and educator Mark 
Uh, Shangzi is an expert on optical illusions, and he recently took another look at Professor Kiyoka's video. In the description of Shangzi's uh, recent video above, he explains that he wrote to Kiyoka in 2020 when Professor Kiyoka shared the optical illusion on Twitter. Quote, the illusion that speed decreases when zoomed in because when one focuses on an inner portion of the movie, the optic flow angular speed is slow and appears to fill one's entire visual field, which is consistent with the overall lower forward speed. Uh, Chang Easy explains, the more zoomed, the more densely packed the overhead rigging appears. So even though you appear to be moving forward more slowly when zoomed in, the actual rate of rigging flowing by remains constant, consistent with the frames, uh, the same forward speed in all conditions. Saying. Changzizi explains. He adds that these optic flow dynamics explain many optical illusions that people experience. He says that the brain frequently perceives anticipated movements to correct for neural delay. In the TED-Ed presentation below, he explains more about optical illusions and how the brain has evolved to deal with natural stimuli rather than the artificial and unnatural stimuli people experience daily. Given that the human brain evolved over millions of years, I'm not sure how that's accurate because the human race hasn't been around that long, uh, lumping multiple human species together as homo sapiens are a relatively young primate. The brain cannot evolve anywhere near quick enough to fully deal with rapid change in how people move around the world and the things people encounter. Human vision is remarkably sophisticated and complex, but certain relativity, simple optical illusions, confuse the brain. In Kiyoka's example, the relative density of reference points changes as the lens zooms in, shifting the apparent angular speed and making forward velocity appear lower. This is a common situation for video gamers when adjusting their field of view, especially when playing first-person shooter or racing games. The example video below from John Daniels on YouTube illustrates how sense of speed changes with field of view. Using a train simulator game, Daniels continually adjusts the field of view while the train maintains a constant speed. Starting with a much wider field of view and slowly shifting toward a narrower field of view, like going from a wide-angle lens to a telephoto lens, the sense of speed changes dramatically. And of course, this is totally normal. I have actually played around with this myself, uh, not recently, but in a couple of years ago, uh, using a telephoto lens while I was riding in a vehicle taking photos. And uh, so I knew, I already knew about this phenomenon, and I thought it was good to share it. Um, there are three accompanying YouTube videos in this article in the show notes, which you can check out for yourself and see exactly what the effects are to the human brain, even though. There is no, in reality, there is no change in speed. It's just strictly the focal length. Doll E versus Photoshop, which is better for extending photos. One of the best features of Adobe Photoshop's new generative fill tool is extending a photo beyond its original borders. But how does a stack up against Doll E's outpainting? OpenAI's DAL-E is primarily an image generator, allowing users to create any picture they want by typing in a prompt. The outpainting feature has been available since September last year. Photoshop's generative fill has been creating a big buzz recently. Both programs use generative artificial intelligence to extend a photo. But which one does it better? In this test, we will give each program the same source photo and the same amount of empty pixels to generate into. 
The source images are framed in white. Everything outside of that is AI. Petapixel is operated by a group of talented photographers, if I don't say so myself, so we have drawn upon that wealth of artistry for the source of photos. First up, we wanted to test a starry nighttime scene with the Milky Way galaxy taken by Petapixel's multi-talented Jeremy Gray. In the serenity of Maine, there was a clear winner. Photoshop's generative fill has done an awful job here with visible lines and some strange-looking galaxies at the top left of the image. This brings new meaning to Photoshop fail. Dolly has done a far better job extending the image seamlessly. That's first blood to open AI. Next up, it's extending a portrait. This may be the most popular use of these tools. How well can generative AI extend a picture of a person? After it did so, well, in the first test, Dolly really let itself down on this with a uh, preposterous image that bears scant relation to the source photo. Photoshop, on the other hand, has come out with flying colors. In fact, our in-house superstar photographer, Jeremy Gray, who took the original photo, says that it's exactly what the scene looked like outside the frame. Photoshop's generative fill has really stepped up in the mark here, but as for Dolly, why has uh, there been a random hand slipping into the uh, pajama pocket? Deeply unsettling. Architecture. Did you know that before becoming editor-in-chief of Petapixel, Jaron Schneider hung out of helicopters nailing iconic photos like this one of the Golden Gate Bridge in San Francisco? Well, he did, and complex architecture is a difficult test for generative AI. This was always going to be a tough one, and unsurprisingly, both programs have performed poorly. Photoshop seems to have done better with color and tone, but Dolly may have done better generating the, ac the actual structure of the bridge. Both images are poor and unprofessional. From difficult to easy, generative AI should perform well when expanding daytime landscape photos such as this one your writer took last weekend while paragliding. Like the architectural photo, there is not much to choose between them, but this time it's because they've both done a great job. However, upon closer inspection, I think Adobe wins because the image beyond the source photo is sharper and more cohesive than OpenAI's offering. When Petapixel's Jeremy Gray took this amazing photo of a common loon gobbling a fish, he was in a kayak zoomed out as much as he could. It bothered him for years that the bird's beak was cropped out. Let's see if we can fix it. While the Dall-E effort is half-decent, Photoshop has really excelled here. This is a great example of how AI tools can help out photographers when something's gone slightly awry during a shoot. My photo, it's saved, adds Jeremy. I've waited so long for this. So which is better, Photoshop or Dolly? This is not a comprehensive test. It's a fun snapshot of what these programs are capable of, and better editors than me could no doubt do a better job. That said, Photoshop Generative Fill has clearly defeated Dolly's outpainting. Where Dolly has really let itself down is in the last two photos where both programs have done a good job, but Photoshop has done the more professional job.
Dolly's outpainting is still an incredible tool, and I wouldn't put anyone off using it, but Photoshop also has the advantage of unlimited generators if you have an Adobe subscription. Dolly uses a credit system, and I used up my free credits for this experiment, but if I wanted to continue using the program, I would have to pay for extra credits. And this is definitely an impressive little test here. And that is definitely something I wanted to talk about just a little bit in this week's episode is the new generative fill from Adobe Photoshop. Now, it's only available in a Photoshop beta at this time. It is not available in the release version of Photoshop, but it should be coming to the full release version of Photoshop in the near future. And I have seen some impressive examples of generative fill being used. Uh, one that I remember seeing in a YouTube video the other day was a photograph of a gentleman riding on a bicycle uh, down a blacktop road. And the road did not have the double yellow line in the center, but the person in the video was able to draw around the center of the road and then type in double yellow line. And it put one in that was absolutely flawless and looked really good. And I remember hearing on the Peta, or uh, I'm sorry, the Lens Shark Photography podcast earlier today when I was listening to that podcast that another photographer was able to save a shot similar to this one of the loon where the beak got chopped off. Another photographer was able to salvage one of his shots where he inadvertently cut off one of the ladies two feet when he was taking a photo of her doing street photography and the adobe generative fill was able to perfectly recreate her missing foot and even got the sneaker she was wearing 100 right that is extremely impressive and although i left photoshop and lightroom a few years ago for capture one because in my humble opinion capture one does a better job of processing fujifilm raw files even though lightroom and photoshop have gotten better in the last few years capture one is still superior unfortunately i may be tempted to get the photographer subscription to adobe and photoshop uh, lightroom and photoshop again just so i can use that generative fill to add some missing stuff that got cut off or cropped out in some of my photos that I wish I hadn't inadvertently cropped out or cut off. Uh, it would be great to see if it could recover those missing pieces for me in some of my images. I haven't done it a lot, but a couple of times there, and I was disappointed with myself. And it would be interesting to see if generative fill can correct mine like they did for that other street photographer. All right, I'm going to take a short break right here, and then I will be right back. We hope you're enjoying this edition of the Liam Photography Podcast. The best way to support the show is to subscribe in Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or anywhere else that you get your podcasts. If you want to leave comments or suggestions for future episodes, you can call or text the show at area code 470-294-8191. And you can email the show at liam at liamphotographypodcast.com. You can find the show notes and links at liamphotographypodcast.com. And you can tweet the show at liamphotoatl using the hashtag. Hashtag Liam Photo Podcast. And now back to the show. And we're back. Zipbowl is a modular backpack for photographers and everyday use. 
Zipple is a new modular backpack design available to back on Kickstarter. Designed by a photographer, Necky, and adventurer, Dylan, the expandable Zipple bag promises, quote, maximum efficiency thanks to its swappable modules that change the design, shape, and capacity of the bag. The Zipple can be worn as a backpack or as a messenger bag, depending on the modules the user installs. It can significantly expand in size and carrying capacity, ranging from a thin carry-on friendly shoulder bag to a large high-volume backpack. Starting with the tech module, it can fit up to a 17-inch laptop and is designed to carry everyday essentials, extra batteries, cables, and more. The tech module comes with a pair of accessory boards, which include different stretchable bands that accept various small items. Quote, you'll never have dangling items again, the Zippo team promises. The snapshot module is designed for photographers. This larger module has Velcro camera divider sections that can be moved around the inside of the module. Soft perimeter cushions around the interior help protect camera gear from shocks and bumps. There are side entry points that allow users to run cables through the backpack while wearing it so that someone can power a camera or accessory on the go. Quote, you'll never miss that decisive photographic moment again, Zipple promises. The Zipple bag also has a tripod holder straps on the side. Users can attach the expand module to the backpack if they need even more space. The module connects using zip, uh, zipper and increases the backpack's volume by 30%, which Zipple says eliminates the need for most people to carry a second bag. Another module, the LED panel, is quite odd. This module includes a built-in 15.6-inch LCD screen compatible with Apple AirPlay, HDMI, and Android Miracast. The full HD panel is powered by an external power bank that can be stored in the backpack and has a max brightness of 250 nits. Zippo's Kickstarter documentation says it's ideal for extending a user's laptop display or playing games while traveling. It also includes a built-in Bluetooth speaker for audio. Pricing and availability, given that there are numerous modules and add-ons, pricing varies considerably. A super early bird backer option of 141 euros or about $177 includes the Zipple bag, snapshot module, tech module, and expand module. This represents about an 80% discount compared to the expected retail price of about $250. Available add-ons include a TSA security lock, tech mech organizer, multi-pouch front cover, foldable mouse and keyboard, shock absorbent panels uh, for the back of the bag, and the LED panel module. Everything but the display ranges from 12 euros to 27 euros, about 15 to 34 dollars. The LED panel module is an extra 127 euros or 160 dollars. The Zippel team expects the first Zippel bags to begin shipping to backers this December. Zippel's full spe uh, specifications are available on their Kickstarter. And this does look like an intriguing backpack design. It might be something that a lot of people will find handy, handy especially photographers. But I wanted to remind you, as I've told you before, always be cautious backing projects on Kickstarter or Indiegogo because they are not online stores. You are risking your money. However, if if you back a, a campaign by a reputable company, maybe somebody that's done it before, then you usually don't like a, a platypod, then you usually don't have to worry about losing your money. But I just wanted to make sure that you are warned you're not guaranteed to actually receive the product. It all depends on how well the campaign goes 
and how honest the people running the campaign actually are. The Create Mate memory card case doubles as a high-speed reader. The PGY Tech Create Mate is a weather-resistant memory card case that doubles as a memory card reader, so your cards and the ability to offload data from them are never apart. Usually, photographers have to pick up both a good memory card case and a solid high-speed card reader for working on location. The Create Mate bucks that expectation by attempting to cram that feature into one product. Made from a mix of materials, including aluminum and ruggedized rubber for IP54 rated protection, the Create Mate is billed as an ideal accessory for photographers, action camera users, drone operators, or smartphone enthusiasts that offers a simple and easy-to-use design that supports several popular card types and promises extremely speedy data downloads all from a single device. Quote, the card reader fits neatly into the rubberized carrying case, which can be attached via the included carabiner to a belt pocket, inside jacket, or bag, ensuring it won't get lost, PGY Tech says. The case is IP54 rated to resist splashes, dirt, and the occasional accidental drop. As a card case, the Create Mate can store up to four micro SD, four SD, and two nano SIM cards at once. That's not a ton of uh, card storage, unfortunately. That said, the company says that it includes a special ejecting pin that will allow photographers to easily remove cards without risking damaging them. From a card reader perspective, the Create Mate can handle one SD and one micro SD at a time, and using what PGY Tech calls a high-performance USB 3.1 chip inside the card reader is able to perform data transfers at up to 312 megabits per second. Data transfer rate is going to rely entirely on how fast an SD or micro SD card can even offload data, and the max of 312 megabits per second is likely to exceed most memory cards in use v90 cards only promise sustained 90 megabits per second speeds for example the company says that the create may support simultaneous data transfers when both sd and micro sd cards are inserted but doesn't say if that total megabits per second bandwidth is the cap for both cards to share which is likely the connection to a computer is provided by a fold-away USB-C cable, and the connection allows it to work with Windows and Apple computers, as well as some smartphones and tablets. The PGY Tech CreateMate high-speed card reader case is available from the company's website for $40. And I thought this was an interesting little invention. Now, I do have a couple of card readers that double uh, the card holders that double as readers. I've used them a little bit here and there, and they seem to work halfway decent, but they're not super fast. But I might be interested in acquiring one of these and trying it out for 40 bucks, just because it's super rugged. And I like the way that it stashes away the cards when they're not being used to keep them safe and secure. Bear captured living his best life on trail camera. A bear was caught on trail camera taking a private bath away from everyone seemingly having a great time. Caught lying on his back with all four limbs pointing up at the skies, the bear was enjoying relaxing in a muddy puddle, totally unaware it was being recorded. The footage recorded on June 24th, 2023. That can't be right. It must be June 24th, 2022, because June 24th, 2023 hasn't gotten here yet. Was released by Roxborough State Park in Colorado, much to the delight of thousands on social media. Basically, sums up 
trail conditions today, writes the state park. Just kidding. It's wet, but not this wet on the trails. This bear, however, seemed to have found a private spot to soak away from all of the humans. The bear was captured rolling around in the muddy mud puddle, stretching out his limbs and cooling off his fur, even sniffing his own feet. Looks like he's having a great time, writes Linda Reina. Enjoy your spa days, adds Ang Ella. Some speculate the bear was using the mud to keep bugs off his coat. Trail cameras are increasingly ubiquitous, capturing animal behavior rarely observed by the human eye. Just this week, Petapixel reported on a bear going for a four-hour nap directly in front of a trail camera in Arizona. The relative and inexpensiveness and simplicity of setting up a trail camera is appealing, particularly for those who live in rural areas. It's a great way of seeing the wild animals that cohabitate in the area they live in. Most animals simply ignore trail cameras, but not all of them. This month, Petapixel reported on a great blue heron that viciously attacked the trail camera just after it swallowed a frog. And last month, Mark Clement of Ontario, Canada, captured a rare spirit moose on his trail camera. The all-white moose was are highly elusive and is very unusual to see one. They are considered sacred and a sign of good luck by the First Nation in the area. And I thought this was an interesting and cool little story and video of this bear. I actually have four trail cameras myself. I currently only have one deployed, uh, but our property in Roxborough, North Carolina, is fairly well out in the boonies so we do have a lot of wildlife in the area i do need to get around and get the other three deployed just to see what i can capture now the one summer since we moved here and we were up north visiting our kids and grandkids i pulled up my outdoor security cameras one day and found a flock of about 30 wild turkeys running across our yard uh while we were away i apologize for banging the mic there a little bit um and that was interesting but i've heard the turkeys on other occasions in the distance but i haven't seen them around our property again since that summer and last up the 15 dollars photo organista app organizes photos on mac and ipad Photo Organasta, an app designed to help photographers manage large photo portfolios developed by Bristol Bay Code Factory. Photo Organasta works with over 650 image formats, including raw images from most major cameras. Available for Mac OS and iPad OS, Photo Organasta allows photographers to organize and view their portfolios across Mac computers and iPad tablets. On the desktop version, users can point the app to their images and source folders or sit back and let Photo Organista do the archiving, which will save images in the app's portfolio or within a user's connected iCloud storage. Portfolios can be viewed on iPad using a special connected app. Photo Organista's key features are organization, search and explore, and view and update. For organization, users can create stacks of photos using drag and drop, rate and color tag images with shortcuts, and assign projects and add user tags, which can be organized into hierarchies. For searching and exploring an archive, the app provides powerful search tools that use any combination of projects, tags, filters, quick picks, snap filters, and text search. Users can construct any search term they want using, a, using different metadata properties. Speaking of metadata, this falls under the view and update feature. Users can access over 85 photo properties, and the app includes metadata editing tools that enable bulk metadata, metadata editing. Notably, the original file metadata can be preserved. 
For photographers that use analog cameras, the app also has dedicated entries designed to help photographers label and identify metadata for film scans. For photographers curious about their most used lens, favorite aperture, or go-to shutter speed, or other trends, Photo Organasta includes visual visualization tools, including bar charts and pivot tables to group images with similar metadata and help photographers study shooting patterns. The functiona this functionality is similar, albeit less extensive, than Bristol Bay Code Factory's other Mac app, Photo Statistica, an app that lets photographers examine full EXIF data in bulk. Photo Organista promises varied customization of personalization options, including a changeable color and layout, adjustable keyboard shortcuts, custom quick pick menus, and much more. The custom quick pick menu allows users to filter out specific images they have selected based on designated tags. Additional features include full screen viewing, image comparison tools using reference images, and the ability to zoom up to 3200% on photos. Bristol Bay Code Factory describes its app as a fast, flexible, and affordable digital asset manager. Photo Organista is available on the Mac App Store for $14.99, and the app purchases, purchase includes both Mac and the iPad version. And I found this interesting. I always love any kind of new software that's designed to organize your photos for you and help you keep track of them. A digital asset manager is always a good thing to have. And for 15 bucks, I think I'm definitely going to check this one out for myself, being I have both Macs and iPads. And that is all the news stories for this week. Remember to check out the Liam Photography Podcast Facebook group. It is a private group and you must answer a security question to join, which is the name of the host of the show, myself, Liam. And I've also opened it up to allow you to give the name of a previous guest on the show to show that you are a listener. Once you are in the group, you are free to post your own original work. I'm also the admin of the Fujifilm GFX 50R group, which is the largest group for the 50R on Facebook. If you own or plan to own the 50R, you can request to join that group, but you do have to answer two security questions to join that group. You can find my work at liamphotography.net and follow me on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at liamphotoatl. If you like abandoned buildings and history, you can find my projects at forgottenpiecesofgeorgia.com and forgottenpiecesofpennsylvania.com. All right, that's going to wrap episode 349 of the Liam Photography Podcast. I want to thank all of my listeners once again for subscribing, rating, and reviewing in Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and anywhere else you might be getting your podcast. If you're not currently a subscriber, why not? It's absolutely free, doesn't cost you a thing, and I have a massive catalog of back episodes that you can go back and listen to at your leisure. Now, I did want to let you know, uh, also stop by the Liam Photography YouTube channel, subscribe to the channel, turn on all notifications, make sure you enter my 10,000 subscriber giveaway. Now, just to share with you, a new video is releasing later today. I deleted and I'm re-uploading my review of the Viltrox 75mm f one2 
1.2 Pro lens for the Fujifilm X mount. And the reason why I did that is I decided to upgrade my 10,000 subscriber giveaway. I didn't seem to get a lot of traction from anybody interested in the travel tripod I was giving away as the previous prize. So I've now upgraded the contest. If you enter the new version of the contest, the updated version, you will have a chance to win a brand spanking new Viltrox 75mm f1.2 Pro lens for the Fujifilm X-Mount. Now, this is a stellar portrait lens for the Fujifilm X-Mount. The image quality is superb, and the autofocus is super quick and responsive and accurate. So, it would definitely be a must-have lens for your camera bag. So make sure that you stop by the channel later on today once that video goes public and get your entries in. Also, I wanted to let you know that uh, Ellie Ringo will be rejoining me on the show very soon. She and her, her uh, fiancé, Dan Chain, recently got married on May 20th. And congratulations to the two of them. And she has some really exciting stuff going on with her acting career. So I'm really looking forward to getting her back on the show in the next couple of weeks to talk about everything that's been going on in her world. I know her Ellie Knows Rocks YouTube channel has really been taking off and I'm so happy for her. She is such a wonderful person. All right, that is it for this one, folks. I will see you all again on Thursday.